0: Hello everyone, welcome to another conversation. We have a guest, uh, but you've, you've heard of her before. It's our lovely correspondent from the UK, Myrna Loy. She is the founder and managing editor of Black Bright News, which can be found at issues.com backslash BlackBright News. However, in keeping with the times, she frequently vlogs on current issues on YouTube, so her copies are produced annually. Myrna Loy, a.k.a. Lady Loy, is also a DJ and radio presenter on Lovers Rock Radio. Lady Loy enjoys supporting artists' journey to recognition and constantly headhunting New reggae artist, Lady Loy, sets the gold standards for reggae on Lover's Rock Radio. So it's loversrockradio.com on Fridays um, from 8 to 11. That's UK time. No, <laughs> Lady that's, that's... Loy. What? Go on. No, it's 7 Lady... to 9
1: UK time.
0: 7 to 9 UK time. Okay, uh, sorry. Uh, Lady Lloyd has interviewed celebrities such as the Guinness Book of Records, skateboarder Martin Dayton, multi-award winner author, Ego Code, Clayton John Anger, reggae artists such as Iba Marr, Milton Blake, Cargo, Bungo Kenny, Steel, Tezza, Backbones, Friends Job, Leroy Gibbons, the tenors, to name a few. Life experiences, failures, um, have led to successes, what drives Lloyd to be prolific. Lloyd is publisher of BlackBright News, as we stated before. My co-host, Chris Daly, will be doing the interview, so take it away, Chris.
2: Thank you, Janice, and welcome, Myra. It's good to dialogue with you again. Okay. Great. We've had the privilege of dialoguing in the past, but we have new listeners. So if you could take a moment and just share a little about your Jamaican roots for
1: us. Well, I'm born in the UK. My parents are Jamaican. My mother was born in Clarendon and my father in Christiana. But my embryo was conceived in Jamaica. Um, Okay. I visit Jamaica. I haven't visited there recently, but I've been there about five or six times. Okay, great.
2: What got us together last time and what's getting us together this time is immigration. Yes. Our, our dialogue today is about um, immigration in the U.K. How did your folks get to engage with um, the U.K.?
1: When you say engage with the U.K., what do you mean? As far as make their immigration to the U.K.? Um, do you mean when my parents came over, do you mean? Their journey to the UK? Yes, yeah. What? How did they, yes. Okay, um, well, my mother, she came over in 1952. Um, she came on the boat like everybody else, I believe, and um, ended up at Waterloo Station. Um, at that point, she thought she was going to be housed by a friend, but when she went to the station, a friend's boyfriend said she couldn't stay, so she ended up staying in shared accommodation at the time. Mm. Um, she got a job as a seamstress, which wasn't too long after she came to the country, and she saved up by working long hours for a house and met her husband and managed to get a house by the time I was seven. Incredible.
2: Incredible. Well, you're in the right space to somebody to talk about because you're a media professional. Yeah. For the youngsters who may um, be curious, what motivated you to have this choice, and how do you practice your craft?
1: Well, to be honest, um, what motivated me was to Motivate others, and you know there's a lot of misinformation. And the thing with being a media professional, it means that you have to be um, very disciplined. There comes with a lot of responsibility, and I just wanted to be in a position to be able to inform people, especially Black people, about what's going on, but doing it in a more objective way and not an emotive way. A lot of the media. Process professionals tend to create drama and create fear. Mm -hmm. And so I try to give a more balanced um, viewpoint on what's happening. Thank you for that.
2: That's so important. Um, But today we were talking about a pretty emotional topic. I'm glad we have somebody like you to actually help us navigate it. Is that the immigration practices in a world where nationalism is taking root? Um, What's your sense of the spirit of the day in your country that Brexit and other issues are at the forefront?
1: Okay, well, um, I think what's at the root is the change of immigration. In, In 1971, they had an immigration policy, and the immigration policy gave Commonwealth citizens the right to remain. Now, when my mother came over here in 1952, She was actually a British subject, and that was then changed, I think, about four years later, and they were able to, everybody at that time was automatically given the right to remain, and they became British citizens. Now, more recently, since Theresa May came into power, they've reversed that Immigration Act with the hostile environment policy. And the hostile environment policy says, unless you can show papers that you're legally in this country, you're going to be deported. Now, people um, in the 1950s, and then what they wanted, even though they've changed it now, was four pieces of identification for every year you've been in the country. Now, they've changed that, but they're still requiring ID, and I don't know what they're asking people to produce to prove that they've been in the country all the time. They said they've been here and been here legally because. The Home Office claims that they can't find all the papers. They destroyed all the papers when they, when they did this green paper thing. And so all these, all these people, all these, um, Windrush immigrants don't have that paperwork. And if they can't show the paperwork, they're unable to access the NHS for health. They're unable to get jobs and they're unable to be housed because the landlords are being told that you cannot um, rent to people who can't show their British passport, and they can't give jobs to people who are not coming there with a British passport. And that's the situation at the moment. It's really quite diabolical. Even doctors um, are not being allowed to work because they won't renew their visa. So that's the situation as it is now. Okay, and they're called
2: Windrush for a reason, Windrush Generation. Yeah. Explain to folks it. how did that name label got established.
1: Well, there were two ships before the Windrush. Those two ships, I think um, one of the gentlemen came on the Jasmine. And they. the, the, the ships that came before the Windrush were actually um, cruise ships. And so, but the Windrush was the first... Um, charter um, boat to bring people from the Caribbean, like Jamaica, to the UK specifically to work, specifically based on invitation. The ones before that might have come through the army, they might have come through other means. But the Windrush got that name because that was the name of the charter that brought them over here.
2: And the motivation for this, these was the post war War um folks who are there to help rebuild the country. Is that, am I
1: correct? Yeah. But the motivation uh, behind this atmosphere now is because Theresa May promised to reduce immigration. Um, There's a lot of people who are ignorant about what immigration is. And the assumption is that all blacks are immigrants. They're confusing illegal immigrants with legal immigrants. There's an unclear policy. There's pedantic practices. There's not an understanding of what the Nationality Act of 1948 means. They're failing to distinguish between those who were invited and those who came on their own free will, and it's creating fear and instability. It's absolutely ridiculous.
2: So the Prime Minister have taken action, but there are other,
1: uh,
2: I'm not sure, um, the, the audience here is an American audience and we used to the balance of power um, what authority does she has? Uh, is there any opposition to this policy within the parliament?
1: Well, we've got David Lammy. He's a, he's representing um, the people. Um, he's made. He's got a very strong voice. And yes, because of him, they have overturned a lot of things. They're saying now that they will pay for these people to come back. Um, Those who were here before 1973, they're promising to pay for their citizenship papers. But people are afraid that if they come up and say they haven't got citizenship papers, that they're going to be shipped off. And there's no guarantee what they're going to, what's going to happen if they do want to have those citizenship papers. Because some people just thought, well, I've got a right to remain. Why do I need these citizenship papers? But now it's come that they do need them. And so if they don't have them, you know, that's going to be a problem.
2: The Prime Minister of Jamaica, Holness, was recently in England. Um, what was the impact of that visit and how was this, the windrush issue played out in his state?
1: Well, he was quite um, tactful. He was um, very articulate. He was unbiased um, he, he was more concerned with human rights and people being treated fairly and that they should be compensated for the unfair treatment. Um, that was basically his take on it.
2: but they, they did not have any sway in the in the debate that it has a, what kind of impact? Did that happen in the debate, or is that not even considered? No, I
1: don't think. The thing is, is that he can speak on behalf of the Jamaicans who have been treated unfairly. He did not, he said there was no evidence that, that he knew of, um, that people had been deported, but we know that they have. So when that happens, it kind of leaves you feeling a bit, you know, unsettled, so to speak, because if there's no acknowledgement that people have been deported, um, he said that there are people who left here to go to Jamaica for a vacation, were not allowed to come back. But he said there's no figures or there's no evidence to show that people were deported. But we know that people have been deported. And um, the migrant office, although they're not putting Caribbeans in their ca- category um, of deportation figures, we know that it's happening. But for some reason, it's being um, hush hush. I don't know why.
2: Are there other nationalities um, also being adversely affected? Um, yes. We have, you um, know, a lot
1: of. If we've got the EU. And what's that? Are- you know, and I think that is where um it's gone slightly wrong as far as what they thought. They thought they was focusing on a small group. They didn't look at the wider picture of Italians, of people from the EU, of, you know, it does affect more than Caribbeans. it affects the Africans, it affects a lot of people. And it also, I was talking to some young people today, and they were saying, you know, one of the young the one of the young girls, her boyfriend is from Jamaica, and she's not even sure if it's going to affect him. So it 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 goes all the way down the chain.
2: Wow, it's broad, wide and deep. We back up in, in at the thirty thousand foot view. We know there's a strong strain of nationalism globally that's happening. There's also technological change that's affecting the need for labor and the skills needed. And folks have. How conscious are, are, what are, what are some of the factors you think are driving it and are folks conscious of some of these um, um, effects in play that's affecting um, the way folks look at immigration?
1: Well, I think um, with regard to labour needs, it is encouraging self-employment. It's encouraging people to start their own business and they're not relying on the public sector so much, and they're more likely to try and get jobs with the government. So if that's how the impact of the labor market is kind of working at the moment.
2: The hmm. so last time we had talked, it was around the issue of that prison being built in Jamaica, uh, and that was tied to the deportation issue. Uh, Is Mm. there any way to connect the dots here as as to the overall government policy and going forward?
1: Well, it just tries to show you how it shows you how calculating the government is, I think so far in advance. Um, There's been been 600, I think, Jamaican citizens in UK jails who have more than 18 months left to serve, and they will be deported in 2020. Um, I'm not quite sure, even now, if Jamaica took the $25 million to build the prison. I remember there were, back then there was some kind of debate on whether they should or whether they shouldn't. But I think, from what I've read, it's likely that they were kind of forced to, because what the UK is saying is that they can't pay 36000 um to keep um, looking after their people. So, um, so it's thirty-six
2: thousand pounds a year to to man to yeah. for each prisoner. Yeah. But
1: yeah, for each prisoner. So in two, 2020, um Jamaica's going to get an influx of about 600 Jamaicans who been who finish their jail term. Mm.
2: There must be a sense of fear and foreboding within the Jamaican community. Could you give us a sense of of what that fear is like and what level of organization exists within the community to to actually be able to have a a formalized protest against this?
1: Well, there is because you can imagine, okay, those who came here within 1948 and 1973, most of them maybe not even be alive now, they can feel relatively secure now for the time being, but those who came after 1973, they're wondering what's going to happen to them. So there is that um, instability. Many of them have bought homes in the country. Many of them have built their own little businesses. Many of them, for this is their home, they haven't been back. So it's bound to be a a time of instability and um, fear for them. You know, and then you have um, the fear of children losing their grandparents or their parents, depending on those kind of circumstances. And it it really is quite a sad state of affairs. Is there an
2: organized um, community groups that can represent them and give them that sense of uh, support?
1: Well, you've got a lot of little groups. I don't want to say they're jumping on the bandwagon, but you have a lot of groups who are protesting about it i think there's been petitions going around um i heard yesterday that there was a wind rush um event that spoke of the wind rush story through narrative and song um but there's nothing um and then I think the other day I saw this gathering where people were talking about it, but there's no leader you see david Lammer is very david Lammy, who's the labor, labor mt he's very articulate i mean mm-hmm. he would be a very good leader for people to have, but he's confined within the con you know within the confines of his job, so he can 't take that on, so there's no one person who is saying, you know, who's going to speak on behalf of the people. There are solicitors and lawyers trying to exploit and saying, look, we'll help you out with your paperwork. Let us know if you're in Jamaica. Let us know if you've been deported. But there's no one um, place where people can confide in and think, yeah, I feel safe here. I can talk about my situation. This person can help me. I don't think that exists.
2: Mm. The, the other place where usually you have robust and energetic protests is within young people and university um, types uh, is there any protest among young people or even alliances from college that may speak to the morality of the issue at the, on a wider basis
1: I think you'll find the young people because they're born here and their parents are born here uh, it's very difficult for them to relate to what's going on. Now, I was talking to my brother's children, who are in their thirties, between their twenties and thirties, and they were saying that if their grandmother, who's my mother, got um, deported, I mean, she's got she's actually a citizen, so she's okay. But if she hypothetically, if she got deported, it would affect her because my gran is their world, and that was their words, not mine. So in the sense that if their mothers and fathers or you know, extended family were affected, then they'd, they'd stop and think, hey, hold on a minute, this does mm-hmm. impact, I've got to do something about it. But I don't think at the moment that they're thinking about that. My, my nieces were saying they didn't even, they heard about it, but they weren't really paying it any attention. But this uh, 94-year-old man, I'm putting the video up later, who I interviewed today, um, was actually enlightening them about it. So they are a bit more aware. But unless somebody's telling them about it, they're not going to be aware that it, you know, and unless it affects them, they're not going to be interested.
2: Yeah, so there's not a big emotional um,
1: thing to support
2: that kind of, um, you know, it's right now it's just academic, it's not hitting the heart most of the young people
1: No, who it's affecting are those in this maybe 80 90s eight say from 60 to 90 that's who mm. it's affecting that's where the emotional backlash the most vulnerable people in this society right now the UK society they are the most vulnerable because they're older they're more dependent they, they're dependent on the pensions, which they stopped. They took away their pensions, and they've been working for their pensions all their lives. And provided you work 33 years continually, you're entitled to your full pension. They stopped their pensions, shipped them off to Jamaica, mm. stopped them, and they're not giving them any money.
2: So you can imagine. Yeah, the morality of it is astoundingly
0: <laughs> It's absolutely mm. horrific.
2: So, well, well, we just pray that somebody rallies and, and, and people's eyes are open to actually see the, how despicable this is and take um, the necessary
1: action. I think people have to understand that this action affects us all. Um, this, is, this is the start of it. It's just the beginning. It's not the end. And I think people need to really be alert and aware. Um, The government has failed in this ploy to um, reduce their numbers in immigration because they made a blunder, but they'll be working on a more full safe way in the future. And that full safe way will affect our young, it will affect everybody, I believe.
2: Tease that out for a If you look out in your crystal ball five to ten years, what are some of the implications of if we continue down this path?
1: Well, it's not very positive. And what
2: kind of numbers are we talking – do we have numbers that, that um, affected potentials here?
1: Well, they said, you know, throwing a figure out, they said nine million people are going to be affected. But, I mean, looking at the crystal ball, I mean, all I can see is um, reinforcing um, us to feel more insecure, more unstable, to make us, you know, to have the element of control. And I don't think, um, unless we have some really vigilant people who can speak on behalf and who know how to tackle it in a in a moderate way and in a way that will get through to those at the top, I don't see what's, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, it's all a part of the big plan, isn't it? I mean, you know, you can go into prophecy must fulfill all of these kind of things, um, end times. But what we're dealing with now is just the start of putting us right back where we started. And that's basically what it is.
2: Yeah. I figured, you know, between in the next um, few years, there will be an election. But I, I don't get the sense from what you're saying that this will be an issue weighing in the public debate at that time.
1: No, I don't think so. I think at the moment, um, the Conservative Party are going to be working on trying to rectify this wrong as much as possible. But then they're going to go to the next level. So um, they don't want to be seen as doing anything wrong. And I don't even know if they, I don't think it was deliberate. I just think it was lack of foresight. And, you know, I don't think they anticipated. Um, someone like David Lamy speaking out. I don't think they anticipated people getting together, the extended family getting together and, and making an, uh, an uproar about it. So the extended family, there's been so many. It's been on the news. It's really highlighted. So people are aware. And so it's just about, you know, rec- you know, giving, especially for those people who've been here all those years, recompensing them and making sure that they have come back. I don't know what they're going to do with their houses because they made them leave their houses and they've lost their jobs. Mm. So when they come, even if they were allowed to come back, what are they going to do? How secure are they going exactly. to feel? So it's a very, very difficult situation.
2: Once Dave, as we close here, that, that occurred to me. I'm not sure what the, the legal... Is there any legal resort? Recourse such as a class action suit that could be used to slow down or even to engage folks, or what's what's the that um, possibility like in in within the legal structure of Great Britain?
1: Well, as I was saying, there are people out there who want to say that they're going to represent them legally. But, you know, once again, I'm concerned that they're taking advantage of vulnerable people. I'm not quite sure how authentic um, these are. That's why I'm saying that there needs to be, they need to rebuild trust, because right now, their trust is at their lowest, and, you know, quite rightly so. So, we need to know that if there is a legal representative, I haven't seen one. I've only seen a couple that have written to me and said, you know, oh, if you know anybody um, who's affected by the windrush, put them in touch with me. I don't even know who you are. You know what I mean? Exactly. So I am not putting yeah. put anybody in touch with somebody who might exploit them and when they're most vulnerable. So I don't know. Maybe there are legal um, people out there, but I don't know of them
2: to do it on a one-to-one basis doesn't seem to be to go you would need more of like a class action
1: um, yeah, to represent yeah. everybody yeah
2: and and get that kind yeah. of um yeah scale yes yeah,
1: well, exactly well i'm
2: i'm glad yeah i'm i'm so glad that we have somebody like you there keeping the us um informed and um keeping the larger community informed that uh, we can be educated and being touched to support our loved ones, especially in their vulnerable years. So, thank you so much Myrna Loy, My for your you. courage and doing this. Was
1: well, people here? Do you have people here, I was going to say?
2: I do. I do. I do. I have an uncle there. He, he's retired a few years ago. I think I only have one relative still there, but I, I do have
1: um, relatives there, so. And he's okay, is he? Has he got all his papers and everything that you know of? Uh, yes, yes, from from all that okay. I know. Okay, good. Okay, then. Well, it's my pleasure.
0: So it was. Um. So to learn more about Jamaican diaspora, visit jamaicandiaspora.com. dot com. To learn more about Chris Daly, visit Media Two. That's the number two Grow dot com backslash VIP. To learn more about Mariner Visit issues dot com backslash black bright news uh lovers rock dot lovers rock dot com Facebook dot com it's Luton Loy Twitter Lady underscore Loy Instagram Empress underscore Lady Loy Mixcloud dot um, com backslash Lady Hyphen Loy Myrna We hope to be talking to you again on other important things back over in the pond, and we appreciate spending some time with you.
1: Bye now. Thank you. Bye-bye.